Amen. Praise the Lord for that truth that the old account was settled long ago. Welcome to each one of you. And again, we are glad that you are here with us. After Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection, no one knew where his body was. All that people knew was that it was gone, that it had disappeared from the tomb. There were many theories about what had happened to his body, one being that the disciples had stolen it. But they were just as surprised as everyone else and knew nothing about where the body had gone. Two of Jesus' followers one day were walking to the village of Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. They had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, but they didn't realize that it was him. They didn't realize until they were breaking bread with him, and then he disappeared. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, starting from verse 35. Luke 24, starting from verse 35. And this is what it reads. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened and were thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth, O oh God, that is contained in your holy scripture. And Lord, as we look into your word today, we pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts to hear from you, that you truly would help us to understand and to be willing to respond however your spirit leads us. And so, God, we pray that you would come and speak and move. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
the two men that had walked on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, not realizing that it was him, was telling their story to the other disciples, was explaining to them all that had happened and the fact that Jesus was with them and they had no idea. And in the middle of telling their story, all of a sudden, Jesus appears and is standing there with them. This is a reminder to us to remember that God is ever-present. He hears, he sees, and he knows everything. That he is present with us. And it's important for us to understand that because God is spirit... He has the ability to be everywhere all the time. That way he can actually keep the promise that he makes to us when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, because God is spirit, he can keep that promise. He can be with us all the time, everywhere we go. We can truly know that he is with us. We cannot escape from the presence of God. We cannot hide from the presence of God. We cannot run away from his presence. As the psalmist says in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. God is always with us and he walks with us no matter where we go. And so I want to remind you that the God that we serve is always there. That means that he is there in the good times and he is there in the bad times. He is there for the ups and the downs through the challenges and the trials that we face. And so even when God does not seem close to you, you can rest assured that he is right there in our midst. You see, in that moment where the disciples were, God showed up. Jesus showed up and was standing there amongst them. You see, God doesn't just show up and just appears. He is always there. It is just sometimes he allows us to see him and to be reminded that he is there. He is always with us. And so Jesus allowed them to see that he was there with them. There was one night I was driving on the, on the main road there. And, you know, I was doing everything that I should be doing while I was driving. When all of a sudden I look in my rearview mirror and guess who's right behind me? No, it's not Pastor Nick. <laughs> It was the police. Now, you know, you probably had those moments when you're in the car and the police come behind you. And, and of course, it causes you to double check everything, right? So, of course, you're going to double check that um, you're driving the, the speed limit and not going over. You're going to double check that your phone is as far away from you as possible. You know, be just reminded your, your seatbelt's on. Of course, we always do that. You know, just double check everything. And, and I 
don't know why it's a habit for me, because I'm not afraid of them, because I know I'm doing everything, but I even turn down the radio, and you know, just to make sure that I'm focused, that I'm concentrated, that there's no distractions around me, okay? Don't act like none of you've ever done that. You know, none of you've never done that. Anyways, so as I'm driving, you know, the police, they're, they're right behind me, and so of course I change my lane to move over, get out of their way, and of course, that police officer decides to change his lane and come behind me. So, you know, I know that I'm doing everything that I should, but it, it just causes you to be on high alert, right? Like, why are they following me, right? What have they found, you know, whatever it is. So all of a sudden, I realize he changes his lane again, and he exited and left me alone. And so, of course, I knew, amen, right? Amen, <laughs> amen. But of course, I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong in order to be pulled over. It's just the presence of the police officer caused me to double check everything that I was doing and make sure I was doing what I should. You see, in the same way as Christians, we know that God is with us. And we need to double check. And sometimes we need that extra reminder and that extra attention given to our spiritual lives to double check and make sure we're doing what we should be doing. That we're doing and living and, and being the kind of people that God expects us to be. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus showed up with you right next to you right now and was with you for a whole day, going everywhere you went and being in every conversation that you were in, would it cause you to act differently? Would it cause you to maybe change some of the places that you went or some of the conversations that you had? Would it cause you to change the kind of entertainment you engaged in or what you did on the computer? Would it cause you to change the type of TV shows or the music that you listened to? I want you to understand that God is not just there sometimes, or he's not just there when we go to church, but he is with us all the time. We live in the presence of God, and therefore we should be reminded that all that we do is exposed to him. There's an old Sunday school song that reminds us and has so much truth. It says, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see, for the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. And of course, there are other verses in that song talking about, be careful, little ears, what you hear, be careful, little tongue, what you say, be careful, little hands, what you do, be careful, little feet, where you go. And I think it's interesting that sometimes we think that we can act a certain way when we come into church doors, and then when we leave, we can be a completely different person. But it's important for us to remember that God is always with us. He is not there to ridicule and condemn us, but he's here to help us. And living in his presence means that he is always with us, that he sees everything, that he knows everything, that he hears everything. And it should cause us to strive to live lives that are holy, that are pleasing to him. Amen? Amen. So when Jesus appears in the room with the whole group, they were startled. They were frightened. They were afraid. 
He asked them, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts so filled with doubt? You see, there are times in our life where we will experience, or maybe you are even experiencing right now, times filled with fear, doubt, or even negative thoughts, things that start to creep into your mind and shape the way that you think, which then in turn affect what we do. Be careful, point number two, not to allow fear, doubt, and discouraging thoughts to creep into your mind. Be careful to guard your heart and your mind, to not allow those things to creep in. There are times, of course, where we will feel afraid, where we will feel scared, not knowing what to believe or where to go or what to do. But in those times, instead of allowing fear to just paralyze us and to stop us from moving forward for what God has in store for us, we need to call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to help us. We need to look at him and to know that he will carry us through. It has been said that the most repeated phrase in scripture is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid in various ways we're told over and over again. God has said it to his people throughout generations, throughout scripture. We see God reminding us, do not be afraid. Why? Because he is with us. Do not be afraid because he is right there with us. God said it to Gideon when calling him to lead Israel. He said it to Jeremiah when calling him to be a prophet to the nations. Jesus said it to the women at his resurrection. He says it to us. Do not be afraid. We do not have to fear all of the things that we may be worried about, the things that we lose sleep about, the anxiety, the the doubts, the phobias, the discouragement, the negative thoughts that creep in. They are not from God, and he tells us, do not be afraid. Do not succumb to those negative thoughts. Do not succumb to those fears that paralyze us, because it stops us from moving forward. What is it right now that you're afraid of? What is it the fear that you have that's causing you to stop instead of moving forward? There are various things that we can be fearful over in this life. Not being able to take care of your family. Maybe you're afraid of not making it through that surgery or losing your job or even finding a new job. Maybe you're afraid of getting older or how you look. Maybe you're afraid of whether or not you'll ever find the right spouse or be able to have a baby. Maybe you're afraid of the fact that you might not be able to buy a house in this market or if your business will make it in this time or if you should or shouldn't take the COVID vaccine or even if you'll make it through this pandemic. There are a lot of things that can cause us to feel afraid, that can cause us to be worried and frightened and not know where to turn. But remember, God's words, he tells us, do not be afraid. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 reminds us, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
In the moments when you feel doubt, when you feel discouraged, remember that he is there. And it's that fear, that doubt, that discouragement that causes us to stop, to worry, to not accomplish the great things that God has in store for us. Abraham and Sarah doubted that God would be able to bless them with a child in their old age. The Israelites doubted that they could defeat the giants in the promised land, and they didn't enter, missing that blessing. The disciples were afraid when a storm came and they were out in the sea, on the Sea of Galilee. Peter began to be afraid when he was walking on water and began to drown. Job was discouraged because of his wife and his friends. You see, there are so many things, so many voices that tell us that we need to be afraid. But God tells us, do not be afraid. Psalm 27 verse 1 reminds us, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? Whatever it is that you may be going through, that you may be afraid of or fearful of or doubtful of, remember that God is with you that he will help you and he will see you through. Call on him and trust him to help you. So Jesus had appeared to them, but they weren't really sure that it was him. They weren't sure because they were afraid that it was a ghost or maybe it was something else, but it wasn't really him, they must have thought. But he told them, it's me. It's really me. You see, the Lord knew their doubts. He knew that they would be afraid, that they would be skeptical, that they would be unsure. So Jesus says to them, look at my hands. Look at my feet. He, he causes them to look at his body, to see that he has a body, that he is not a ghost. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Understand that Jesus didn't ask for a piece of fish because he was hungry. He wasn't hungry. He asked for a piece of fish, ate it in their presence, so that they, he could prove to them that he was real, that he wasn't just a ghost or a figment of their imagination. He did it to prove to them who he really was and is. At times, point number three, the Lord tries to get our attention to prove to us that he is alive and real in different ways. There are times in our life where God tries to get our attention. He tries to get our attention for a specific purpose, to speak to us, to, to move in our lives, to get our attention, to also show us that he is real in order to lead us into a relationship with him. And there are times where certain things happen or he allows certain things to happen in order to get our attention that we may not realize it's him. Has anything ever happened to you or, or someone you know that in hindsight, when you look back on it, it seemed like it was a supernatural occurrence, but that some would describe as luck, coincidence, or fluke? Has anything like that ever happened to you? I'm sure it probably has, or at least to someone that you know. But let me just tell you 
that it was not because of luck that you walked away from that accident without a scratch on your body. It was not just a coincidence that you were in the right place at the right time for that thing to happen. Let me just tell you that it is not by fluke that someone gave you that financial gift that was just the right amount that you needed to cover that expense. You see, those words in our vocabulary, luck, coincidence, fluke, we sometimes use to describe things that we just can't explain, things that just seem too surreal or supernatural. But it's in those moments often that God is at work, working in our lives, trying to get our attention, trying to speak to us, to move, to talk, to have his way. And it's important for us to allow him that opportunity to speak so that he can get our attention and do what it is that he wants to do. He tries to get our attention and reveal himself to us in many different ways. But the problem is that sometimes we're just not listening. We're just not attentive to what he's trying to say to us. We cannot prove the existence of God. Did you know that? We simply cannot prove that God exists. There is no physical proof to say God exists. But by faith, we believe in a God who reveals himself to us in so many different ways. You see, God tries to get our attention. He tries to reveal himself to us and help us to see him and who he is through his holy word, through speaking to us, through all that is around us in his creation. When we look at nature, we see the beauty of the Lord. And there's a picture on your screen of how amazing God's creation is. This is a picture of how big a redwood tree really is. And if you see on the side, that's a human being on the bottom side and how big the tree really is. When you look around at God's creation and how big and awesome and how beautiful it is, he reveals himself to us through his creation. When we look at the hu human body and how complex it is, we see his creativity and his handiwork. On your screen, you'll see a picture of a heart. Did you know that your heart can keep beating even if it is separated from the body because it has its own electrical impulse. How amazing and complex our bodies are that God has created. He has revealed himself through us, through creation. When we look at the universe, we see how big and awesome God truly is. On your screen, you will see a picture. And I want you to understand the universe and how big the universe is that God has created. It's measured, travel in the universe is measured in light years. And if you don't know much about light years, you can Google that after this message. But in terms of light years, if you travel at a speed of light, it would take one second, this is from Earth, to get to the moon. If you travel at the speed of light, it would take eight minutes to get to the sun. It would take 
20,000 years to get out of the Milky Way galaxy. And it would take, if you traveled at the speed of light, it would take 46.5 billion years to get to the edge of the observable universe. That is how big God is. His creation reveals his majesty. He is so big and awesome. And he says he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. That is how great and awesome God is. And he tries to get your attention and he tries to get mine. May you be reminded that he is always trying to speak to us. He wants to tell you so much. He wants to reveal so much more about himself to you. But we need to give him that opportunity to be able to do so. He also calls us into personal relationship with him. Have we experienced the presence and power of God? Have we allowed him that opportunity to speak because he wants to get our attention? So Jesus wanted to reveal to them that it was really him and to help prove to them that he was real. So he ate the fish in front of them so that they could see. They could see that he was real and talked with them about what happened. Jesus reminded them that the scriptures needed to be fulfilled and that was what was happening right now in their presence. That that was what was going on. In verse 45 tells us, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Point number four, God can give us revelations through his Holy Spirit for us to be able to understand things we otherwise wouldn't understand. God, through his Holy Spirit, can open up our minds to be able to understand things that we otherwise wouldn't be able to understand. What does that mean? Well, let me ask you. Have you ever spoke to someone, or maybe you felt this way yourself, where they've just said or you've said, I just can't read the Bible. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. It contradicts itself. It's boring. It's irrelevant. It's not for me, and I'm not reading it because I don't understand it. Has that ever happened to you? Probably. You see, the reason that we may not understand what the Bible is saying and it may seem irrelevant to us is because when we read it, we may be reading it from our own knowledge, understanding, and point of view. But you see, the Bible is not to be read like any other book. It's not to be read from that point of view and, and like any other way. In John 16, verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. God's word which was written by men, inspired by the Holy Spirit, can only truly be understood by the God who wrote it. It can only be understood by the God who inspired it through the help of his Holy Spirit. The disciples couldn't fully understand the scriptures. They fully 
didn't understand all that was being said. They didn't even understand that after Jesus died, he would be resurrected, would return to them. Even though he had taught them, he had told them, he had explained what was going to happen in different ways. They fully did not understand all that was happening. And in the same way, we cannot fully understand God's word without his spirit leading us, guiding us, and helping to open up our minds. It's important that we ask God's spirit to open up our minds and hearts when we read the Bible. And that's why it's one of the practices, for for me anyways, to pray before I even preach or read the word of God. Because it's important that we ask God to open up our minds and our hearts to hear from him, to see his truth, to allow his spirit to reveal certain things to us that we otherwise wouldn't be able to understand on our own. You see, God is able to open up our minds and our hearts to revelations about his word, to revelations about himself, to reveal certain things to us. I myself have experienced those aha moments where I've pondered on certain things or I've had certain questions or I've read something and I just didn't understand it. And, and maybe it was uh, just a moments later, maybe it was a week later, even a year later, where it just clicked, where this Holy Spirit revealed to me certain things that made sense. God, through his spirit, is able to open up our minds to understand certain things that we otherwise wouldn't be able to understand. All we need to do is ask him to pray and to ask him to help us, and he will. After Jesus had told them all that he needed to tell them on that specific occasion, he gave them one last promise. He says to them, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Keep in mind that at this point, the disciples had no clue what the Holy Spirit was, what the Holy Spirit would look like, or even what the Holy Spirit would do. All they knew was that Jesus promised that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to them. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He's part of the Trinity. We believe in one God revealed in three persons, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God gives us his spirit. Point number five, God gives us his Holy Spirit to fill and to empower us to do his work. He gives us his spirit to fill us and to empower us to do his work and to carry out certain things that he has for us. Even though the Holy Spirit did not come to stay with people until after Jesus' ascension to heaven, the Holy Spirit always existed. From whenever God, from the very beginning, because God has no beginning or no end, the Holy Spirit has always been and always will be. Throughout history and throughout the Bible, we read about different occasions where the Holy Spirit comes to minister, to help, to encourage certain people. But now, what God was promising was not only is the Holy Spirit going to come to help you, to fill you, to empower you, but the Holy Spirit is going to come to stay with you. He is going to come to stay 
with you. So basically, that means that God not only is with us, but he lives in us through his Holy Spirit. So the question is, have you invited God into your life? Have you invited him into your heart to come and to live and to dwell in you? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to fill you, to help empower you to carry out whatever it is that God has planned for you or whatever work God has created you to do? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us, but you will receive the power when the Spirit comes upon you. You will receive that power. You see, we have the power of Christ in us as believers. Do you understand that? That the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us today. And so when we go through the darkest valleys, when we go through trials, when we go through difficulties, when we go through uncertainties, we can rest assured that not only is God with us, but God is in us living and alive and able to empower us. He is able to carry us through and to help us to do what we could not do on our own. That power is available to us. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He is our helper. He is our encourager. He is God with us, dwelling in us. Be reminded, my friends, that you do not walk alone, that God goes before you and he stays behind you, that he covers you on every side and he holds you up. God's spirit empowers us to do that which we cannot do alone. The disciples didn't know what was going to happen to them that day. They didn't know that Jesus would appear, and they certainly didn't know the power of the Holy Spirit and that it was going to change them and transform them. They just knew that it was really him. Remember that God is ever-present. He hears us, he sees us, and he knows everything. Be careful not to allow fear, doubt, and discouraging thoughts to creep into your mind. At times, the Lord tries to get our attention to prove to us that he is alive and real in different ways. God can give us revelations through his Holy Spirit for us to be able to understand things we otherwise wouldn't understand. And God gives us his Holy Spirit to fill and to empower us to do his work. In those moments when you feel God is close, be reminded that he is and that it's really him. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you, Lord, for the truths that we can learn from your scripture. And we thank you that you remind us that you are with us. And God, we pray that you would help us to be attentive to your spirit. As you move and as you have your way in our lives, may you remind us that you are there. May you help us to trust you so that when we do feel afraid, when we do feel discouraged, when we do feel those negative things, that you will remind us that you are right there with us, that we do not have to be afraid. And God, we pray that you would help us, that you would once again fill us with the power of your spirit, that you would empower us to walk into this life and continue to carry out the work that you have called us to do in different ways. And so, Lord, I thank you for each one. May you continue to challenge us 
to look at our spiritual lives, to make sure that we are living lives that are holy, that are pleasing to you, oh God. That is what you desire from us. And so, Lord, may you have your way in our lives, and we pray for your blessings upon each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.